The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good types. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then, if we're ready to go, this is the Homance Chronicles, and I am Sarah. And I'm Nicole. And today we have been kindly acquainted with doctors who are taking time out of their day. They're actually in the doctor's <laughs> office, which I, you know, normally our guests are, if they have a PhD or an MD or something, they're like in some podcast studio in their home. But you guys yeah. are like, let's carve out time today while we're actually in the office, which I admire. And I also am looking forward to talking to you guys about your latest book um, and how you managed to work together and be married. So, <laughs> and love each other yeah, consistently. Um, <laughs> That's a feat in its own. So welcome best-selling authors and doctors, Barbara and Michael Grossman. Hello. Yay. Hello. Thank you for great joining. To great to be, great to be here. So, so oh, go ahead, Sarah. Well, I, you know, I'm looking, I, I'm now able to look at their site and it's, you guys have done a lot in the space of love and partnership. Um, did it start with a single one of you, or did it start when you came together? Well, I'd say uh, we've been together since I was um, uh, 20 years old or 19 years old. And, um, and what, what we found was that falling in love is easy, but staying in love is a challenge. Yes. <laughs> How old was, uh, do you want me to call you Dr. Grossman? Cause that's Dr. hard Michael, when you're both the same Dr. last Barbara. name. <laughs> Dr. Michael, Dr. Barbara, otherwise we both over talk each other. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, Dr. Michael, how old were you? I was 20 when we met and 21 when we got married. Oh, my God. Okay. Anyway, continue on. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what it takes to get together was really, you know, rather um, pleasant and effortless. But what it what's involved in staying together through uh, finding yourself professionally and having children and managing a family and managing finances and in-laws and parents and all the rest it's hard and we, we don't stay the same. We evolve over time. And so um, what we learned in that process of getting back in heart connection with each other um, has been very useful for a lot of people who go through the same thing. We've been teaching people for 25 years. So what we can, what I often will say is that Barbara and I have had three different marriages to each other. The first marriage for 10 years between the ages of 30, uh, 20 and 30, uh, we did whatever I thought was right. And that was a really nice marriage. I liked that marriage. <laughs> and then Barbara found her voice. <laughs> and then Barbara went back to graduate school in psychology and they teach you to think and express yourself and have your own point of view. And that was really five years of really big problems. We almost got divorced then. And um, I was just very stubborn. And I, I, I said, no, we're not going to get divorced no matter what. We're going to work it out. And it was just stubbornness. And, and, and counseling didn't help that much. The counselors were like, they work on individuals and say, oh, you're, you're, your partner's a jerk. Get rid of them. That's what counselors do a lot. It's really problematic. It, it, it takes a very exceptional counselor to really see both points of view and to try to encourage each one to change anyway. We got help from mentors, from people who were, you know, interested in spiritual growth and growing you and developing yourself. And we had mentors who we worked with and we learned uh, skills to share with each other and to listen to each other. And, and that was a big process to learn those skills. 
And, and then we created a situation where two independent people with their own ideas can come together and have a very fulfilling relationship. You know, yeah. Sarah and I have very different ways of communicating. Very, and very different. <laughs> we are very, very different people. However, we're able to continuously keep this podcast going and remain friends. So I am hopeful that it can happen. <laughs> In a marriage. <laughs> In a marriage, eventually one day. Um, but what's the biggest difference then between like a romantic relationship in doing this and other relationships? Business and platonic, you mean? Well, usually in a romantic relationship, um, you're either one of you is either physically a man and the other is physically a woman, or you have those gender distinctions, you know, in personality anyway, because you mm-hmm. notice a balance and a dynamics in a relationship. And, you know, you need to really understand the sensitivities of each partner. And um, uh, as a female, I'd say that uh, it was, you know, I, I, was, I came of age in the 80s. And um, uh, I don't know that I understood how a man is different from me. And um, I treated him like, I treated Michael like he was a, a girlfriend. And um, uh, that doesn't work. Um, no, no, it does not. And so, I mean, there's, and there's all kinds of nuances about, how to respect each other's um, personalities and, and essences and points of view. And it needs to be, you know, learned. You have to learn to respect yourself as well as your partner. And, and it's, a, it's a lot for young people to balance those differences, but it can be done and, um, and it can enrich your life. It doesn't have to be, you know, always such a, a, a mental uh, drain. It can be really enriching. Yeah, it's a matter of just learning, taking it and learning about yourself probably, right? And, and your partner. So the complexity of a romantic partnership is that it's, it's like fiery. It's very intense. Uh, friendships and brothers, sisters, and even parents, that can be like, like the ocean. It's just like you just love them. You don't see them for six months, and then you see them again. Well, you're right back into feeling that connection. Don't try that in a romantic relationship. It doesn't <laughs> Right. You'll end up like roommates. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're not going to be in love. You're going to be in love with someone else who, who gives you that fiery. You need that intensity ongoing. And, and to deal with that intensity, you have to have different skills than you do in a friendship relationship. Mm-hmm. Because the skills you need is, is things are going to bug you. And how do you tell your partner that something is not okay with you? You can get angry at them. You can get uh, annoyed, you get irritated, which is not really helpful. You have to be able to share in a certain way where you don't intensify the upsets, but you've got to be able to share the upsets. So how do you do that? That's one of the things that we teach. We talk about it in our book, but we actually have classes where uh, you can go to agelesslovequiz.com and we talk about the five challenges that are very common in romantic relationships that can cause upsets. And you've got to learn the skills to deal with that, that don't create explosions, but rather you've got to be able to focus and and work together as as a team uh, to do these things like parenting. Parenting is a huge issue for relationships and and you've got to have parenting skills. And if you don't have the skills and you're not working as a parenting team, it's a huge problem for the marriage. And then we have all other kinds of things. We talk about um, um, problems you have with arguing each other. That is not a good thing to be arguing. You've got to have skills so you don't argue. We talk about if you're feeling um, uh, like you're not number one with your partner, you're not feeling close enough to your partner. You've got to be able to have skills to make that closeness happen without upsets. And, 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 and so those are the kind of things that we do in these online videos because Dr. Barbara is busy all the time. She can't see any more patients than she already does. But we want to bring this out to, to America. Let the, the America needs help with, with these kind of issues in, 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 in partnerships. I would agree completely. Yeah. Um, you, one of your, uh, I guess, bullet points is longevity in today's world, which you're from an older generation. 
and the generation has different values than the new generation. And one of those values is like seeing something all the way through. Whereas I feel at this day and age, people aren't necessarily giving themselves that same rule of just see this through. Don't give up, see it through. So what are your thoughts on how that's kind of evolved maybe even through your relationship, the way society would impact how you would want to work together, basically. I think that's a question about longevity and it might refer to the Harvard study where people who are in relationships and stay in relationships and, and stay connected, how they actually, there's, there's astonishing evidence that they live longer, that it's worth seeing things through. It's worth growing through things. There's something, if you're stuck with an issue with your partner, there's something in it, a value for both of you. And for those people who, so this, um, in the 40s, um, a fellow named uh, Dr. Grant, um, actually, um, there was a grant study. It's a Harvard study that, that uh, tracked, um, George, Valiant. George Valiant is the doctor's name. He tracked um, 900 people, um, starting with the graduation class that, uh, that JFK was in. And uh, also there was a parallel, um, parallel study in a, um, a neighborhood in Boston that wasn't so elite, that was working class. And they, um, they studied these people with uh, medical um, uh, uh, questionnaires and uh, assessments as well as um, personal um, uh, interviews. And uh, they tracked them over time. And the people who stayed together and found a way to love each other, um, it was enormous evidence that people who stay connected, how important the relationships are to heart and health, and um, they live longer. And um, so it's a message to, you know, to be more patient and work through issues. There, there, there are issues there because both of you need to learn something. So, so the interesting thing about the study is that the doctors themselves were amazed. The most important factor after the age of 50 in longevity is the quality of your personal relationships. That was like, wow, it's a huge, a huge change in your worldview. So when, when you think about being in a marriage, the value of staying in the marriage is that if you do it right and you work on getting past the upsets, like Dr. Barbara and I had that five-year thing where it was really upsetting, you've got to learn skills. And when you learn those skills, it stretches you. It presses you to grow emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, and that creates longevity. So that's a good reason to stay in relationship. Now in the new generation, oh, I'm not happy. I don't need this other partner. I'll be on my own. And women, Disposable, yeah. Women doesn't need a guy anymore. They can make as much money as the guy does. And you don't, you don't, you don't need that. And you know, who needs kids anyway? They're just an annoyance, you know? Let's just not be married. Let's not, not have children and, and we'll be happier. But the truth is, is that when you have a family, when you stay in a marriage, it presses you to grow and develop and you also live longer. I mean, so then we have a hard time getting people to eat healthy and exercise and take care of themselves at that individual level. So can you touch on how maybe being in a relationship that's healthy can actually do um, like a maybe the reverse of whatever, what am I trying to say? How being in a relationship can have a positive impact on your health in terms of the way you take care of yourself, the way you perceive yourself. Well, you ask an interesting question. My expertise is a anti-aging longevity doctor. So I take people come in, I don't uh, treat the ordinary sicknesses that you go to the doctor for. I look at how do I make you live longer? Your hormones go down as you get older. It just happens. Women happens quickly, men it happens slower, but it happens to everybody. You lose estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. Um, you lose growth hormone. You lose all kinds of other hormones and it makes you old. <laughs> when you're in a relationship, it can help to slow down the aging process in many ways, but you still need to replace these hormones. And if you do them naturally with bioidentical hormones, you live longer and healthier than if you do nothing. If you take these synthetic hormones, then they have a lot of side effects and, and you tend to die early from cancer and heart disease. You don't want to use those things. But 
the, the emotional connection of a man and a woman is very important for longevity. It has many effects upon your own physiology. It, every time your brain gets upset, angry, irritable, depressed, it changes your physiology. It changes how you express your DNA. Your DNA, when I went to medical school, 1970, I was taught that's the way you're gonna be. You're stuck with your DNA. And if your DNA says you're gonna have diabetes, that's it, it's too bad. Now we understand only 1% of diseases are really structured in your, your DNA. 99% is what you're doing in your life tells your DNA what to do, which things to grow and make stronger, which things to, to reduce. And, and the emotions and your relationships is what tells your DNA what to do. So there are certain things that get lower, which is the hormones. That's gonna happen. You have to replace them as you get older. But all the other things, you, you, it's your emotional wellness that tells your body what to do. So longevity, definitely increases when people are happy and, 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 and uh, are, are in, a, in an emotional relationships that work for them. Men need it more than women. Women are more capable of having lots of friends. Men don't tend to have so many friends and they need that romantic relationship much more critically than a woman. So there are different subtleties in there, but that's the general picture. I think when you're, when you're happy and you feel cared about, you care for someone else, it, there, it's a natural motivation to eat properly and get enough sleep and, and get exercise and, and manage things that are changeable uh, by uh, taking on good habits. Yeah. So um, we all, I, maybe you guys can help us disperse this myth, but is dying of a broken heart a real thing? Do you guys think? Yeah. That can be a real thing. <laughs> Being depressed, being sad, affects your physiology, changes your body's physiology. Uh, yeah, most people who have a broken heart, they can heal, but you know, it, uh, these things are processes. So, you know, when, when my dad passed away, I was 36 years old and I love my dad, he was a great dad. And I tell a story in our book, The Marriage Map, um, The Road to Transforming Your Marriage from Ordeal to Adventure. And when he passed away, um, I would cry whenever I would think about him. And I did that for years. And I would cry 10, 20, 30, 40 times a day just thinking about him. But I never cried because I was actually sad. I cried because he loved me so much and I felt his love. So there are different things that can happen with broken hearts. And, and, and when you love someone dearly, if you believe there's life after death, then you can still connect with that person. If you don't believe this life after death, then connecting, you, you feel overwhelmed that there's no more connection and they're gone. What about, um, I think your question had to do with um, a relationship that doesn't work, a disappointment in a relationship that ends the relationship. Do you think that has a bearing on health? It has a big bearing on health. When you're, when you're sad and you, and you feel that your relationship is gone, then yeah, it impacts your physiology, impacts your genetic expressions. It definitely creates illness. Uh, dying is not common, but it'll happen to people when they're older. So if you're 90 years old and your, your wife was 90 years old, passed away, uh, you, you feel like you don't want to live anymore and, and your life is over. And, and yeah, you can, you can create that you know, it's time for you to go, that'll happen. And that's not uncommon uh, at that age. But for younger people, usually you're going to go through a process of a year or two or three of feeling really, really sad. And then that eases up. And then you, you open. Every time uh, a, a, an awful problem occurs in your life, what seems like a disaster, one can perceive it as just a great big opportunity for a new growth. And that's what mm -hmm. I encourage people to think about. And, but it can hurt, but it's an opportunity for new growth. When my dad passed away, I, I was emotionally not prepared for it. I thought I was, but I had no clue. And it really changed the way I saw the world. It was a huge opportunity for growing. You, know, you feel that pain, that sadness. And, and, but it, it connected me to my heart. My wife will tell you that I became a much more loving person instead of being intellectual and knowing everything. I knew everything before my dad passed away. <laughs> passed away. 
I realized uh, I didn't know everything. And, and my heart told me I've got to be more open and listen to feelings more. And so that'll happen to people. When big things happen, you lose all your money, you go bankrupt, you lose the love of your life, they die or something happens. You go through these changes. It's an opening to a much bigger way of seeing the world. I love that answer a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always going to be stuff that happens. You don't go through <laughs> life without stuff happening. And um, there was this one time where this is more career focused, but it could be applied. But um, I kind of bombed an interview, lost a job opportunity. I was still employed. It wasn't like I was desperate for a check or anything, but uh, the mentor I was working with was like, okay, now get over it. What's the next thing? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> it was important though, that I had somebody who pushed me and didn't let me just, you know, wallow in the events that happened. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately though, I, I've been having a lot of conversations lately, especially with people being home all the time and not being able to be as social with um, the pandemic. And there's being a lot more isolation, um, especially people who are older, who've lost a spouse or a loved one, uh, having a really hard time getting back into that positive space. And without deciding to actually take some sort of um, antidepressant or uh, some sort of mood stabilizer or something like what is, what is the thing that you see that helps people get out of that rut? Like, is it the meditation? Is it, um, seeing a therapist? It, like, what is the thing? Or is it a combination of things? Well, um, I don't think human beings are meant to be alone. Um, uh, it, I think connection is real important. And the value of um, personal friends, a partner, a community, these are things that are that we need, you know, all of us need to establish those connections in life. And unfortunately, the pandemic interfered with um, normal life and it has hurt a lot of people. And, um, you know, this is uh, as things open up, it's a time to rebuild your life and, and take responsibility for what, um, you know, the kind of people and activities and interests that you have. It's so important. And um, I, th I believe that loneliness um, affects lifespan for sure. I've seen mm -hmm. it. And, um, and you know, most people come see me, um, come see me because they have a problem they want to solve, but they also, you know, need to learn to um, sort themselves out and they use mm -hmm. it as kind of a stand-in, uh, you know, interested party to learn how to talk. And, um, you know, we, our friends teach us a lot of things. Uh, in, in many instances, you don't need a therapist. You need good friends. Right. You need to be able to vent and vent and, to somebody smart. <laughs> and, you need, you know, you, we learn so much from each other. And I, you know, I can't help but think as children, we learn a lot when we play softball with our friends. We learn how to behave properly. If we, if we strike out, we don't throw the bat and um, curse. We learn how to, you know, accept we, we struck out and we, you know, we learn how to um, to, you know, connect with people and behave appropriately and make friends and actually love people. And having relationships in life as an adult teaches you how to be appropriate, how to share yourself, how to connect, how to, how to um, do activities together and really enrich your life with lots of wonderful people. Mm. And so, you know, I think we all need that. We do. And, and what I would add is that it, it, uh, I do a lot of work in teaching meditation to people. I've done that for, I don't know, since 1973 or something, a long time. And um, meditation is a very important part of your own personal development. It helps you to deal with stress and it helps you to dissolve the stress, it helps you to feel a connection to an area of life that's bigger than the upsets around you, where you can connect to your own spiritual um, nature that's that's inside yourself and it's very important for people who, who are, are dealing with life's uh, life's problems and difficulties to have in their mind a, a picture of where and what they want to be and it's very important to let that guide you because the picture of where you want to go and what you want to be needs to be separate from 
the restrictions that you have in your life, all the little limitations. You need to have the big picture in your own experience. And you could have that in your meditations. You could have that in your, in your desires of where you want to go in your life. And, and you put that out there. Once you have a big picture of where you want to be and how you want to grow, you live into that and you create that. Rather than letting your past dominate you, you want your future to dominate you and you create your future. And so people can learn that and you learn that in many different ways, you know, uh, uh, but it's something that's very important. And if you have a partner, you want to have a shared future that you both are, are desiring to grow into. What if someone's not clear, like they, they need help with understanding uh, what that vision is for them. Right. Well, that's a very important question. That's a very important question. That's what Dr. Barbara is super, super good with. I mean, people come to see her and she, she looks at their life and sees the big picture and then she encourages them to grow into that. But she, you should ask her, but you know, she is so good at that. It's just, I, I get to hear her stories. You know, she doesn't tell me the names of the people, but she tells me the stories and it's just, it's just so great. You want to add something? You know, you're, you're, um, you're where you stand in life has a lot to do with your age in some respects. And, um, and as you evolve, you, uh, you want to pay attention to what um, inspires you, what interests you, uh, how you want to learn more about those things. And, and uh, you want to keep moving forward. And um, uh, when you stop doing that, your, your, your life gets kind of uh, low, lower energy. And mm -hmm. that's not fun. And you want to uh, associate with people who have common interests so that you can have conversations about it. You can, in ways you can sort yourself out by hearing yourself talk about what interests you. And uh, you want to, you don't want to, you know, get lethargic and, and just rely on your old uh, accomplishments. So, so about 10 years ago, I, uh, I had to retire from my softball team. <clears throat> they said I was too old. I started the team. <laughs> <laughs> they kicked you out <laughs> they said i could still play but i only could play three innings and i can only bat uh, this way and that way so because you couldn't slide into first base anymore right i don't want I, <laughs> I was 61 and i decided to retire and so then i started dancing with barbara it was a desire of mine from a long time it was her desire i started dancing with her and i like competition so then i said well why don't we you know start competing and all that. So we, we ballroom dance, we do standard waltz, tango, foxtrot, quick step, and we compete. And we do it five days a week. Uh, we're dancing and practicing and so on. And it's very intense. We have a tough coach. And we have all these different competitions and we have a great time, but <clears throat> that it changed my perspective on what I do. I would never thought I would have done that, but I, I love it. It's, it's a challenge for me. It works for, for Barbara. And and that's one of now, the things we love doing. Dr. Barbara, how long had you been asking him to do this with you? Well, I, it's not that I was, I, I don't know that I was asking. It was something that just sort of emerged. My grandmother was, um, she was a businesswoman. She had a nurse's directory in Philadelphia, but on the side, she was a Latin competitor. So I grew up watching her dance Latin dancing and, um, and she would compete all over the country. Uh, and um, she was a cool woman. And it was just something, and I love music. Music just uh, enlivens me. We would, we would do social dancing. <clears throat> we did lots of social dancing, but competing is totally different. Competing is well, yeah, that's a whole new my idea. That hey, if you like dancing and taking all these lessons, let's oh my gosh, compete because that was that's who I am. I love to. Compete. I was going to say you're the competitive one, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. took Casual dancing to a whole new level. <laughs> it works for both of us. And, and so then you, you, your vision may change in different ways, but it works to have our connection. We spend time doing it. So people, everyone has to find what, what gets them excited, what they enjoy, what gives them pleasure. And, and uh, you know, you may need to go to different the classes and courses and try things on and see what, what makes you happy. You know, and it could be so many things, whether it's whether it's um, dancing or or hiking or swimming or tennis or whatever. I mean, painting, but whatever you love doing, if you find out what you love, what gives you happiness, it makes you more attractive as a person to your partner. 
And then if you can do things like we do, that is a partnership thing, that is great. You know, that really cements the partnership because you're being connected emotionally. Also, if you follow your interests, you become more interesting and you meet, <laughs> you be, you meet people who have common interests. So we have, we have friends from all over the world. The best dancers in this country are from Eastern Europe. And so we have all kinds of people we know with different life stories that have fabulous personalities and a tremendous um, you know, uh, uh, character of discipline and, and uh, structure. And uh, you know, our lives have opened up into new places because of just following dance. I love this. I love this for you guys. I love that you just kind of migrated from, you know, being a couple to building with each other. And now you're just literally enjoying your life with each other and there's nothing else going on. It's so fun. I'm kind of jealous. Small amount. We were with our grandchildren this weekend and we did a a competition with them who could do the longest plank. Oh my God. So we, uh, we, we, we got up to seven minutes and 34 seconds. Tell me who, oh, what, wow. what, either one of you, like in the strong competitor range. So I quit at seven minutes and 34 seconds, but uh, Michael and our youngest grandson, uh, they both tied. Well, I, I turned to him and said, I, I think we should call it a tie. because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to take your ass anymore, grandson. I'm going to let you win this one. <laughs> we're we're going to tie this one. <laughs> I love that. But that's a long time. Yeah, it's, it's a very long time. I'm not, let's not breeze over the fact it was seven minutes. And plus, we have a coach that makes us do planks before we dance. So um, I was going to say, is yeah, that, you know, you guys, is that band, is that band practice? Is that dance practice? <laughs> it's preparation for dance practice. I love it. Okay. What's going through your mind though, in seven minutes, like for me, I would do planking and push-ups and stuff in yoga classes. <laughs> I would do vinyasa yoga and Although it's an exercise that's meant to like clear your mind and make you focus on the actual activity versus all of the rushing thoughts, it doesn't always work. <laughs> <laughs> Just get overwhelmed. So seven minutes of planking. I can't even imagine the thoughts I'd have. <laughs> <laughs> when is this going to be over? What are we having for dinner? Like, I mean, I'm not great at the, uh, the meditation part, obviously. No. <laughs> When I teach people meditation, I, I teach them how to do it effortlessly. I've written a book that will be coming out in the next month or so, <clears throat> um, Deep and Effortless Meditation. And um, uh, I teach people how to be uh, neutral about your thoughts and how to experience the, that unbounded pure awareness. And uh, yeah, so uh, it's very easy to meditate in that way. Um, Dr. Michael meditationsecrets.com. I do free classes on uh, Thursdays, 7.30 Pacific time and Sundays, 12.30 Pacific time. And uh, yeah, it's very easy to learn meditation and, and, and uh, thoughts, well, if, you, if you treat them properly, you let them come and go in your mind, you're, you settle down and everyone experiences deep, peaceful, quietness but you have thoughts that come and go and then you have the deep peaceful kind of thing and so that's something anyone can learn so i i i'd be happy to have you come on my class and okay. he's like nudge nudge i think he <laughs> <laughs> we can fix you <laughs> uh, i'm not that's broken awesome. i just need a little help um <laughs> i'm just new at this it's totally fine <laughs> <laughs> well in um one other aspect that I wanted to bring up with you guys that we mentioned very, very briefly was, um, you know, reasons that, uh, couples might not work out. And I think it's pretty well known fact that a lot of divorces are centered around like finances and, uh, I will say partners, different relationships with money. Um, you have on your fallinglovefforever.com website, different quizzes, one of them being love and money. And as a single woman, I also find that other single women um, have distorted views on like, what does investing mean? Like, how do you manage your money or um, how they spend their money? Like it's, I, it's just one area that we really haven't in the four years we've done this podcast talked about much. So I'd love to get your thoughts on 
how money and love intersect peacefully. (laughs) (laughs) If they do at all. (laughs) And what people can do not only as partners, but individually to have a better relationship with money. So it depends on, it depends actually on your age and what developmental stage you're at. If you're a dependent partner um, and you're married to the, and you're, you're, a person you're married to is making all the money and you feel um, uh, uh, your self-esteem isn't um, developed, uh, you're likely to be uh, led by the, the uh, wage earner, the person who has the income. When you get to a place in life where you're both independent, making money, you, you both feel empowered and entitled, and that leads to a lot of conflict and power struggle around how to do things. And so, um, uh, and it's all, you know, all this is good. It's unpleasant and uncomfortable to go through, but you, you know, you each need to learn how to sort out, you know, how you feel and why and learn to negotiate and work things out. And uh, it takes a certain kind of discipline and maturity, or actually the process creates maturity, but you have to learn how to negotiate a, 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 um, an arrangement that, that feels respectful and appropriate for, for both of you and your family. And um, it, it, these are hard conversations. There's no getting around it. Money is very tough. So, so in, in our classes that we do online uh, at the agelovequiz.com, <clears throat> one class on, on money and love, we teach the couple skills to talk to each other. That's the first skill, to, to, to listen to each other, to understand that they see the world very differently than you see it. So Barbara and I have a big difference that when I was a kid growing up, I was 13. My dad was a dry cleaner. When we would we'd clean all the, the clothes at the, uh, at the cottages by the ocean. And I made a lot of money. And I did that through the, the age of 17, made a lot of money. Barbara never worked a day in her life at that age. <laughs> her allowance and that was it, you know, and she didn't have that experience of earning money. So her experience, her parents paid for her college and she just, you know, that was good. Me, I pay for my own college. I, I, I earned money and I, I put myself through medical school. So we have different backgrounds of money. So that means Michael's, uh, oh, I've always felt that, you know, he can spend a lot of money. Take he can it make- out a loan, no big deal. So I'll make money later. Yeah. He, he knows he, can, he has confidence that he can make money where I'm, you know, very um, uh, conservative about uh, money. Uh, so we, that our points of view have, have a source of inexperience and we have to understand each other right. and, and decide how we can be right. together comfortable with our decisions. So you can't make each other wrong. You have to listen to their experience. This is where I came from in the past. This is how I feel. And, and that's how you have to deal with everything in your relationship. But we specifically guide people in those three classes through the money thing so that they can then come to an agreement that feels good to both of them and they understand why the other one has a different point of view than they do. And, and that's how you deal with all the differences in marriage. But this, this one is, is focused on this issue with money. I feel as though you guys are making it sound very simple (laughs) 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 that you're making it sound like, you know, if you take the time to stop and, and breathe and, and think about your differing experiences that you can understand reasonings, um, but there's going to be times when partners check the bank account and then all of a sudden somebody spent $500 on something and they're like, what's this all about? You know, you do have to have agreements. You do need to negotiate what works and you need to be, you know, a person who keeps your word. That's all about growing up and being mature Mm -hmm. and and having accountability with a partner pushes us to be more mature. I don't think most people get together and they're mature, but, but, you know, having the process of committing to each other and creating a family you're forced to deal with yourself and, and um, it's a good thing. And, um, you know, they just gives me a chance to say that the opportunity to grow over a lifetime with a partner and being accountable and exposing yourself, sharing yourself is, um, you know, just built, creates more mature people. And, um, you know, what my heart goes out to is the generation of children who don't have two parents who live together. And um, so I'm, you know, my commitment is to see couples learn through their relationship how to how to work together as partners so that they can raise their children together 
and give their children a foundation of trust and, um, and uh, a belief that relationships work and that life works. Because right? we have a generation out there that are, that are you know, are sad kids who um, don't feel that life supports them. Uh, and um, it's, it's um, not a good thing for our culture. Mm-mm. Not yeah, at all. I'm, I'm product of divorce, so I understand. Um, and it shaped my view of money from a standpoint of making sure that I always need to make sure I have my own. Um, and that's not a bad philosophy. Right. And you would, you would, you know, you would, sh- you know, that gives you a, a, a big stake in financial matters and also gives you a sense of security. Mm-hmm. And, you, know, you would mm-hmm. share your values and your experience with your partner and you'd work out something that works for both of you. And it's, it's um, uh, the challenges when you're dependent on a partner are different from the challenges when you each make money. So these are different kinds of conversations. But um, the principles are the same. You have to know what's important to you. You have to know your sensitivities and you, you need to learn to share it without being defensive or frightened and, and uh, work together to make life work. Okay. I am following you. I totally understand uh, what you mean when you're saying that it forces people to be mature and accountable um, I hadn't thought of it that way. So I appreciate that perspective. Um, Sarah, did you have any other questions for them? Mm-mm. Um, I just have a quick little softball because in, uh, a couple of different places in your website, it's talking about, um, understanding the peculiar needs of your partner. And so I was wondering if you guys would be willing to share what one of your peculiar needs is each of you or one of you well, I can share <laughs> peculiar needs. That's easy. <laughs> so, so when, when we were doing this work, I would, um, um, have requests from Barbara and we teach couples how to make requests of each other in a nice way. So Barbara made some requests that when we walk into a room, I want you to stay close to me and and hold my arm or my hand. And then I'll let you know when it's okay for you to kind of wander around when we go to a party. So for me, that was made no sense because I'm going to party because I'm a new doctor. I want to meet people and, and, get known and get more patients and build the practice. And here she's telling me, you know, she wants me to hold her hand and not walk around, but she wants to do it because when she's two years old, she lost her natural father. They got divorced and she really didn't really see him again. And, and, and so she doesn't, she feels that loss and she doesn't, she doesn't want that to happen in her life. So she wants me to hold her arm. Everybody in the room should know that we're together a couple and then she lets me know when I walk around. So that to me made no sense whatsoever, but I was willing to do what she asked because it, she said it would make her happy. And this is what the course, you know, what our mentors were saying I should do. So I did it and it didn't make her happy. It, it, it made no sense to me in my own life. I, I had brothers and I had lots of connection and so many people and all that. And, but she was an only child and lost her father and all this and this. She had a different life experience than me, but it's important for the partner to listen to your partner and, and know that they have different life experience and they're asking you not to torture you, which is what I thought she was trying to do. No, she's doing it because this was what this is what works for her life. So we all have those kind of peculiar things. There's a lot of peculiar things that we'll ask our partners to do. And we have to be able to ask in a nice way. So we have a structure that we set up how to ask your partner for things. Makes sense. Yeah. Dr. Barbara, is there anything that stands out that Dr. Michael asked you to do that was shocking? Why the hell would he ask me this? understand. (laughs) Michael's asked me to do lots of things that I would never have done. <laughs> we went to uh, fifteen thousand feet on um, what was the mountain? Mount Everest. Mount Everest. Um, we, you know, we've been on meditation courses that last months and months, which is ten-minute uh, plank sessions. <laughs> yeah, right. Totally. He's a machine. He's a machine. Let's just be real. The man's a machine. 
so you know and and those experiences were not something I would have chosen I don't but I you know learn things about myself doing those you know and again relationships expand us we, we have to do um you know things that are outside of our box and um and we learn about ourselves that way and um so um I mean I'm I'm the kind of person to be happy sitting at home and reading so those were really big stretches for me and um uh and it's, you know, I feel blessed by those things, even though I, I have a memory of complaining about some of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend who gets me to do things that I don't necessarily want not to me. do. And there you is. Yeah, it's not Sarah. It's a different friend. And so before I know it, I'm hiking in the snow for three miles and generally going like, how did I end up here? is my thought process and she calls me her delicate flower but I do it anyway (laughs) (laughs) and you must love her because you're willing to do that she's a great friend yes (laughs) so we're at the point in the show where we uh dig into atta girls which are things that we're proud of ourselves for doing or good things that happen to ourselves because we like to end on a positive note. Um, for me, uh, I mentor at risk high school girls and we had a session with a state representative who joined to explain to the girls how they can make an impact and, um, like get in touch with the, their legislation. And it just, um, it was a very inspiring story that she had shared because she was also the first uh, immigrant and Hindu to be on the Michigan legislature. So it was, um, it was, even if the girls didn't get anything out of it, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so add a girl to me. <laughs> Yay. Good for you. Yeah. No Thank kidding. You. Thank <laughs> Good you. Work. Um, mine is not not so fancy. I, <laughs> I've been given baby, maybe voluntold that I have a new role at my job. Um, I work for a larger corporation. I work for the man. And this is like the first time I've ever had a job where somebody has told me where I'm going to be going and doing. I don't know what I'm doing technically, but um, I'm not doing the like doomsday thing that I always do, which is like, uh, this is going to be terrible. I'm not excited about this. Somebody else has control over the situation and it makes me uncomfortable. I'm definitely looking at it from a positive lens and just trying to create that future. I want, like you've, you talked about, um, earlier. So I've been sitting with that feeling and that thought of what I want versus what I'm fearful of. Right. And I'm hoping I'm doing this move. Like, I don't want to speak it that it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? So I'm just, I'm here. That's where I'm at right now. I'm proud of myself. Nice. Okay. Thank you. Very nice. Appreciate that. It's very difficult for me. <laughs> <laughs> Everything will be fine though. I know. Um, I know. All right. So Dr. Barbara or Dr. Michael, or if you each have something that you'd like to share, um, what's a, add a girl, add a boy. Um, it can even be your new book if you'd like. Well, we can start with the book, Ageless Love. Um, the Sexy Science of Falling in Love Forever is our new book coming out in the next month. Michael has his meditation book. Uh, we'll be uh, competing next week in uh, Los Angeles what was the name? Emerald. at the Emerald Ball, which is a big uh, deal in, in the West Coast here. And, um, uh, and we're, I'm starting a newsletter to let, let people know, you know, um, inspiring thoughts and inspiration of different kinds um, because I want to lift people up to, to really commit to making their relationships work. Thank you for doing that. Add a girl. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I would second that. We're, we're having so much fun um, uplifting people and sharing about marriage and relationships and spirituality. And I, I love doing that. It's just um, doing God's work on this earth. It's a privilege to do it. And I love doing it. And um, we have a lot of fun doing it, but it's also, it's like juggling 30 things there's so many pieces of that. We're having a lot of fun and it's it's just really fulfilling to be able to do this. Thank That's you wonderful. for inviting us on your show. 
Oh, of oh, course. Congratulations. And, and, and if people want, they, they can go to agelesslovequiz.com and that will get them to the quiz and they can see where their, their challenges are and then they can take some courses and classes. And Perfect. Uh, that, that would be a great place to start, you know, to begin to move your life to the place where you would like it to be. I love Thank that. you for oh. giving us one source to start with and get some direction. You also mentioned um, Dr. Michael Meditation. Is it meditationsecrets.com as well? Which right. so now, I had to write down for my own personal well, <laughs> so Doctor is the D-R and then it's Michael Meditation and Secrets is with an S. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun. Yeah, people love my classes. I mean, uh, I, everyone says that uh, I can't meditate. I have so much trouble. I tried. I tried. No one has that trouble. And it's free, isn't it? It's free. Yeah. Sometimes See, and I've really enjoyed this last hour, so I can only imagine that it would. It's going to be successful. I will see you there, sir. <laughs> Good. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Before we go, I have to ask: Are you guys going to place on at the show at the dance? competition you know, it really depends um um we usually do well but in in some of the, the competitions we're amateurs okay and so and, and some of them we have to compete against the 50 year olds which are just little young kids <laughs> 71 so so when we do that we don't score as well as when we if we compete against 70 year olds we, we usually, do we usually well. place and um i'm also uh it's a, not, not uh, I don't usually uh, dance with my coach, but I'm also dancing pro-am with my coach this time. Yeah, she'll do very well. Oh, wow. Congratulations. How exciting. It you guys exciting. are just truly an inspiration, I swear. It is exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're doing it. You're doing well, it the right way. <laughs> good luck. And I appreciate Dr. Barbara's confidence. She came in there Me and too. she was like, you know what, Dr. Michael, we do place. Because that's how you can tell <laughs> she's the, the visionary one who's I helping people, it. right? <laughs> We placed second and fourth in uh, North Carolina a month ago. So, I mean, <gasps> we place. Um, but, you know, if it's not number one, Michael doesn't notice it. Uh. <laughs> Why am I not surprised by this information? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for the enlightening conversation and uh entertaining all of our questions if you liked what you heard today please rate review subscribe you can find us on instagram at homance underscore chronicles um i'll put all the websites in the show notes um so that people can find your books and your courses so have a great rest of your day thank you so much you too thank, thank you. you thank you so much